All right, so today's message is Beyond Emotions. Uh, it was interesting because I'm going to talk about desire. But when I tried to match Beyond Desire, it didn't come out the way I wanted. So we had to change it a little bit. Yes, I'm going to be talking about desire, but I'm going to talk more. We're going to talk about emotions, but we are going to talk more on desire. Okay? So let's go talk about uh, that in First uh, Romans 8, all the way to 15, it says, this is Paul. First, I thank God through Jesus Christ for you all. Your faith is spoken out through all the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without, casting, without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayer, making request, making request if by some means, now that I at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you. I may impact on you some spiritual gifts so that you may be established, that, that is, that I may be encouraged, to, I may be encouraged together by, with you by the mutual faith, both you and me. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now. I might have some fruits among, I might have some fruits among, among you also, but just as many others gentle. I'm a debtor both to the Greek and, the, and Barnabas, both the wise and the unwise. So as much as in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. Was that same version up here? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Okay. All right. So Paul is talking to the church of Rome. He's writing to the, uh, to the church of Rome. And Paul starts out, if you look at, we are going through the book of Romans. And if you are here the last couple of weeks, we are, start, we are, we are looking at And Paul, when you think about it, in the first beginning, he says uh, that he's a bought servant. Right? So Paul is saying, when he starts writing the letter, he's not saying, I've attained it or I've gotten it. He's saying, I am a slave. I'm a slave to God. A slave who's chosen by God to be an apostle and to go preach the word of, to, to preach the word of God. And what I love about that is because as he starts speaking about that, there is no doubt that whatever he's going to say is from God. Because I feel like sometimes in our life we decredit ourselves because of how we look, how we feel, how, we, how we, we, other people look at us. But the minute he comes on and says, listen, I am a servant of God. No matter what I say, God is the one who's giving it. There is no doubt that he's going to speak, right? And I know that first, sometimes you might say, Paul, he was a heavyweight champion when it comes to spiritual ring, right? But you too have been called to spread the gospel. Romans 10, 15, it says, And how shall, shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel? And I'm, talking, I'm not just talking about the pulpit. I'm not just talking about standing here and preaching. That is at your work, with your kids, with your friends, Wherever you go, you are charged to speak the gospel because you are blessed if you do that. The faith of the Romans, so Paul writes and says, okay, my computer froze. One second. Say amen to somebody. All right, perfect. So Paul writes and says, the faith of the Roman Christian is being talked about in the whole world. And you think about us as faith and victory. People talk about how we are Christian. They talk about how we loving we are. They talk, they, our message goes to a lot of countries out there on the, on the web, right? And so as Paul talks to these people, he's talking to believers just like you guys. He's saying, I hear what people are saying about you. I see the things that God is doing through you. 
So Paul says, I'm praying for you often, much day and night, as I bring, as I want to bring some, I want to bring you blessings. Uh, I want to bring you blessings. And so he prays that he may be able to visit them and see what God has for him through him. He says he desires to go and see them so that he can bring them some spiritual gift that will encourage them. They get to encourage him and he gets to encourage, to, to, he gets to encourage them and they get to encourage him as well. He, tried, he has tried, but he's been prevented until then. If you read the Bible, Paul tried to go to Rome a couple of times, but he couldn't go. So he's saying, I've been trying. I'm eager to come. He says he is eager to go to Rome and preach. And so when you think about those, these are the things that he desires. He's desiring to go and be able to see, to talk to the people in Rome. So this evening, like I said, I want to speak to you about our desires, our emotions that are fueled by our desire. Paul uses words like, I desire, I'm eager, I will find an opportunity, I long for, I planned many times so I can come and see, I can come and see you. All those things are fueled by emotions. And I, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about, what is the one time that you had the most desire of something in your life? When is that? I know for me, it was when I met Eva. <laughs> you know, I was like, I met her in 2006. I was like, this beautiful girl. And I'm like, oh, I found the one. Yeah, praise God. Right? And I remember very well that during that time, we would talk every single day. I was working somewhere, uh, and I would have to drive home, which was 30 minutes. And then as soon as I get there, then I would drive back later on to go hang out with her. Then I would go back talking on the phone with her, and then even after I got home, I was still on the phone with her. Right? And sometimes I'll fall asleep, just talk, we'll fall asleep talking, and I was like, okay, I think it's time to sleep. You hang up, you hang up. No, you hang up, right? <laughs> Somebody, right? Okay, I'm just, it's just me, it's a Kenyan in me. Okay. <laughs> So, and now it's so funny because now I still talk to her. I still like, you know, at night when you're in bed, I'm like, baby, did I tell you about this? She's like, honey, I want to sleep. Leave me alone. <laughs> right? <laughs> I get off work and I'm like, the first person I want to call is her because I desire to be with her. Right? And so when you think about that, God is asking us to have the same desire. Like Paul, the reason why Paul desired to go to Rome is because he loved God. He loved the people of God. And his desire was to see them have the same relationship that he had with God. Paul has a love for Christ, which which was unmatched. He introduces himself not as Paul the Great, because at this point he had written letters, he's done so many things, but he introduces himself as somebody who loves Christ, a bold servant of Christ. He has love for the people of God. He wants to see the gospel spread. He wants to encourage them. He desires for Christ and the people of Christ. There is no doubt that Paul's heart was fully consumed by God. Hence, what he was talking about. He longed to be with the people of God no matter what the cost is. And Paul did go through a lot of stuff. Yet that did not stop him. The emotions didn't say, I am going through this. Or I feel this. Or what if they say this? Paul continued to move every single day. He still continued to do the things that God had called him to do. He desired to please God. Romans, <clears throat> Romans 12, 1, 2, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect in the will of God. Present yourselves, your bodies, as a living sacrifice. What does that mean? That means that 
You put your desires, you put your emotion on the side, and you present your whole body as a living sacrifice to be used by God. But the issues that we have, especially nowadays, where everything is all about emotions. Yeah. Everything is about emotion. How do you feel? Yeah. Right? And we, and think about it too. When you actually think about it, we are deceiving ourselves because my emotions sometimes tell me to run somebody off the road. Just being real. <laughs> but I choose not to do that. So that means I have self-control because if, my, if that's what my emotion is telling me, let me run somebody off the road because of how they're behaving, and I don't do it, then when my emotion tells me that I need to act on sin, then why am I doing that? Is it really... I'll leave that right there. Okay. So tonight I'm asking you, what is your desire this evening? What do you desire in your life? Where does your desire of longing, eagerness, plans, and, and, and hope for the intimacy of, to have a relationship with God in your life? Do you desire, do you have that emotion, desire to have an intimacy with God? Do you? Do you really? And if you do, is it lip service or are you really doing the things that God is asking you to? Because we can't say, if I want to, like I give an example with Eva, I wanted to be, I wanted to be with Eva, I wanted her to be my wife, I loved her, I wanted to spend time with her. So what did I do? I spent more time with her. I carved out times, even after my busy day, I still went to go see her. Even after my busy day, it wasn't like I was a bum just sitting there waiting for her to get off work to call, right? I still called her, we still hang, we still, we still hang out, I still did those things. And so now, if I really want to have a relationship with God, how much time am I putting in? Because at 10 o'clock, when I, when I felt like I needed to call her, I didn't say I'm waking up tomorrow. I still spend time with God, and that's a human being. How much more should we have a relationship and an earning and an emotional draw to be with God? Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 16, 1 says, we can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. That's a beautiful, the, it says, we can make the, our own plans, but the Lord has the final answer in some versions. And why does he have the right answer? In Proverbs 13, uh, 139, 13, 16, it says, you made that you made all the de- uh, delicate inner parts of my body and me together in, me, knitted me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so, wonderful, so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was formed in my utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your books. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God did not just did not make you and then decide, oh my goodness, I just made you. I don't know what to do with you. Amen. God made you. God had a plan. You are part of his plan. He made a plan and he looked at you and he said, you are beautiful. You are amazing. I seen you get made. And guess what? I have a plan and a purpose. I'm writing all the days of your life in front of me. And so when we walk away from God, then guess what? We are not following what God has told us. God has a plan and a purpose for every one of you guys. A path was drawn out for you. And those who are Christians, we know how it feels to stay in the, in the will of God. It's this unexplainable freedom. We can face anything. We can face 2020. We can, we can face anything and still have joy. Because we are in the will of God. God did not wake up and say, oh my goodness, look at what James is going through. Look at what Jane is going through. It's like, if you hold on to me, I can still walk with you. I will still guide you and I'll take you through. And guess what? You might go through fire, but you're going to come on the other side. It's not smelling like smoke at all. 
And for those who are yet to be Christian, there's always that missing in our life. There's always that void that we try to fill in. I was there when I wasn't a Christian. There were these times when I was like, what's the next thing that can fill me? What can I do? How can I fill that gap? Right? But it's a God-given gap because you've walked away from what you're created to be. It doesn't matter what. It's like we are walking on this path that's really well created and paved and everything. And now you decide, I don't want to walk through that path. I'm going to use the bushy side. And now you have to go cutting trees and branches and worried about wild animals and all those things. There is always going to be that void in you. Because God had a plan for, he has a plan for us. And he tells us the plan he has is a plan to give us hope and a future. A plan where we don't have to do it alone. You are created by, by, the, by God who created the universe, so he knows exactly where you are. And Psalms 139, 18, 18 says, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grain of the sand. When I wake up, you are still with me. Think about that. How much does God love us that he thinks of all the billions of people and animals and creatures and everything he has. He still thinks about me and saying he has great and warm thoughts about me. If there was a time, I'd say amen, that would be right now. We may desire, long for things of God, but it takes more than a desire to keep Paul on his path. Galatians 5, 16, 24. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the last of your flesh. For the flesh lasts... Uh, different version. So I say, the Holy Spirit guides your lives. Then you won't, do, you won't be doing what the sinful nature claims. The sinful nature wants to, to do evil, which is just the opposite of the Spirit's want. And the Spirit gives you desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free from calling out, carrying out the good intention. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation of the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, pleasure, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealous, outburst of anger, self-ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, Wild parties and other sins like this. Let me tell you again, as I have before, I have, I have before, that anyone living this kind of sort of life would not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruits in our life: love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, fruit, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. There is no leeway. Just that's just what it is. We desire, I know that we really do desire to live a godly life. I know we all do. I know none of you guys is looking forward to killing somebody today. Or steal. Or cheat. We don't. We have that desire. But like we read, it says, you have to be read by the Spirit. You have to be read by the Holy Spirit in order for you to go. And the, the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature is. You're always going to have those two sides. You're always going to have the one that gives life, and you're always going to have the one that gives death. So it's up to you to choose. So how do I get this good desire? Walk in the Spirit. How do you walk in the Spirit? Give your life completely to Christ. 
turn away from the sin and you'll be made full. John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's a gift that Jesus came for us and died. So then that way we can have the Holy Spirit as our guide, our comforter, and he gets to guide us and do that. And if you've given your life to Christ, guess what? Then it's time to put, to put everything to work. Second Kings 3, and I'm going to read just a verse because it's big. This is your homework. Last Wednesday, was it the Wednesday before I gave you guys homework? Who did the homework? Good job. Good job. Good job. I'll pray for the rest of you. Uh, I'll, give you a, I'll give you a second chance as well, okay? <laughs> so read Second Kings 3. And I'm going to, remember integrity? We talked about that, yeah. right? <laughs> so the summary is, there's a king, Mesha, of Moab, who rebels against Israel. So, King Moab was supposed to give um, taxes, if you want to say. He would give 100,000 cattle and sheep to the king of Israel. But he rebelled. So, King Jerom declared a war against the Moabites. And he called King Josephat of Judah to join him. And then, King of Edom joined the troop. But, when they joined the troop, they had to march for seven days. So, as they marched for seven days, there was no water. For their animals, they for themselves. And so they are like going back and forth. First of all, King, um, uh, king jo- Joram is not a good king. He was evil. But because of King jo- Josephat, jo- Jehoshaphat, um, he loved God. And so Elijah was among them and said, you know what? There is a prophet, Elijah. And Elijah came and says, okay, what do you want? Let me talk to the God, play music, and I will tell you what God wants. And so... This is what Elijah said in 2 Kings 3.16. And he said, Thus says the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches in another trench. For thus says the Lord, You shall see the wind, you shall not see the wind, you shall not see the rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water, so that you and your carols and your animal may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. So basically what he said is, they are in the wilderness, in the desert. They are tired. They have been Battling. They are going to, the, if you read, actually it says that this is the, so one of the kings says, this is the battle that the Lord has called us. Yet we're going to die in, we're going to die in the valley. So they are tired. They are thirsty. They are going to go fight people who have been drinking water and all this stuff, right? And as they walk, then they call Elijah and Elijah comes and says, this is what the Lord does, wants you to do. He wants you guys to dig trenches. He wants you to work more, Right? <laughs> He wants you to die, right? Because pretty much that's my, my emotion will tell me, oh, no, he wants us to die. Are you kidding me? It's seven days. We have no water, right? Our animals have no water. But you want me to put in some work? Really, God? Like you can bring it anytime, but, you know? And so, anyway, God goes ahead and literally they, they, they are obedient and they dig these trenches. They continue digging. They dig. And in the morning when they wake up, water rose and filled all the trenches, and they had water to drink. Not only that, but God continues and helps them kill and capture, capture the, uh, kill, kill the enemy. And what I love this is, this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. Amen. And so what does that apply in our life? I know that sometimes we are beaten. 2020 was hard. 2021, it is what it is. There are things going on in our life. Our families, we are praying for them. Our kids, we are praying for them. There are things that today, is, does anybody have a prayer request today? Something that you, God asked, if God was here and he said, talk to me. Is there somebody who would actually ask God something? Yeah. Yes, right? So those things that you are praying, God says, I hear you and I know it's tough. But guess what? I need you to go to work. Yeah. 
I need you to go to work. I need you to go to work. And when you're obedient to me, guess what? That is a simple thing. Right? And so they went out and they started digging. And guess what? If they dug a small trench, what would have happened? Would they have enough for their water, for their water animals? So they had to dig. But I see ourselves here where we go before God and we are like, God, I'm praying for my family. I'm praying for me. I'm praying for healing. I'm praying for this thing. And then you make one step and you maybe pray a two minutes prayer and you're done. You just scratch the ground. That's all you did. But God is saying, this is a simple thing. This is a really, really simple thing for me. If only you're obedient. The amount of water they're going to get is going to be equivalent to how, my, how big of a trench you build. So if you look at your life today and wonder, the thing that you're praying to God, the thing that you're fasting to God, if you're fasting because it says when you fast, it doesn't say if you fast, right? The things that you are, how much work are you putting in to seek God? Because God is saying, this is a simple thing for me. So they continue to dig and guess what? God gave them victory. So the question for you is, are you willing to dig? And if you're willing to dig, how deep are you willing to dig? And the other part is, they did not dig alone. What happened if they decided that one person was the only who's going to do it? It would never have happened. We are a team, and everybody needs to do their part. Joel 12, 13 says, Now therefore, says the Lord, Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping. And with mourning, so rescind your heart, so rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great kindness, and He will relent by doing this. He says, "Turn to me with fasting and weeping." He's saying, "Come and seek me. When you seek me as a vital necessity, you shall find me. Seek God with all your heart and everything, and His righteousness, and everything else will be added to you." I know that our desire is to serve the Lord, to be kind to each other, to stay away from sin, but desire is not enough. We have to do a little bit more. When you look at the story of Paul, Paul was willing and eager to go to Rome. And guess what? When he ended up going to Rome, he went as a prisoner. Did that stop him? His emotion did not stop him. If you look at Acts 28, 16, he went as a prisoner. Paul was shipwrecked as he was going through that. He is going, he, his desire is to go to Rome, to speak to the, to the people of Rome, to tell them about God, to encourage them. Oh my goodness. To encourage them? Really? Like I'm coming as a prisoner and I'm going to encourage them? And then he gets shipwrecked, right? And once he gets shipwrecked, guess what? They go all the way and then when they think, oh, now we are good, he gets beaten by a snake. And people are like, oh, dude, he's going to die, right? <laughs> but he doesn't die. God saves him. And then even more so, Paul did not give up. When he got to Rome, Paul was on house arrest in Rome. And guess what? His desire, his longing was fulfilled because it was through the Holy Spirit. Because Acts 28, 30 says, Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all those who came to him, Preaching the, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus with confidence, no one forbidding him. So remember, Paul had a desire. He went through a lot of stuff, but his emotion didn't stop him at all. 
Paul had a desire to be in Rome. And guess what? God took him there. And I'm sure when he had that desire, he wasn't like, I'm going to go as a prisoner. I'm going to be shipwrecked. I'm going to be beaten by a snake. It's going to be a rough road. He was just like, I'm going to bring the message of God. But that did not deter him. But how much more are we being deterred by the things of this world? What if we were like Paul? Because the same Holy Spirit that is in Paul, I have it. You have it in you. So what is stopping us? Paul, Paul never for, for, forgot his love for Christ. His love for Christ is not care what happened to him. He was not led by emotion. He was led by the Spirit of God. And this came by having a relationship with God. Paul, after meeting God, one of the things that, uh, the great thing about Paul is when Paul, when God came and met Paul, Paul stayed three years in the desert getting to spend time with God. I'm not sending you into the desert for three years. You have the Holy Spirit. You can spend an hour or two hours with God, right? And how much time are you on your knees seeking God? How much time are you really seeking God? And I know, girls, guys, I told you, boys and girls and women, children and others, I told you, my, I, even I have been put here at Church of the Victory to make you guys and to encourage you to pray and fast. I was praying to God last, last, the last two days, and I'm like, Lord, I feel like a broken record when I say we have prayer Monday nights at 6.30. You guys need to come. And I was like, Lord, why can't they just pray? And God says, you guys are not praying at home either. We think that we are praying, we are spending time with God, but we are not. I'm like, Lord, they can, I can tell, encourage them to pray an hour at home. They're like, no, they are not praying. They need to come and be, get those behaviors so you can start spending time with God. Because we are really not praying. Right? The amount of trenches we are digging is not enough for God to move. It is a simple thing. doesn't matter if the trench is as big as this place. He will fill it. But we have to work hard. Come willing to, to dig trenches, put in the work. Being intimate with God requires hard work because we have forgotten our first love. Imagine the way I said about Eva, hang out with her, talk to her all the time. And then after marriage, it's like, well, she knows I love her. It's okay. I'll see her when I get home. Um, you know, it, I'll talk to her next week because guess what? With, I mean, she knows I got her. Yeah. But that's what we're doing. When we came to Christ, those who have come to Christ, we spent so much time with God. It was beautiful. We, we talked all the time. Everything was amazing. But now, just like, Lord, thank you. I love you. Please be with me. This is my list of the things that I want. Yeah. Have we forgotten our first love? Yeah. See, as I prayed, continue to pray for freedom and victory last week, and the last, actually, the last two weeks, I felt God say, Find the victory, this is the verse I have for you. Revelation 2, 1, 5, it says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus writes, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walk in the midst of the seven gold lamp. I know your work, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And that is us. We labor to meet other people. We labor to love people. We don't want any evil. And you have, tested those, you have tested those who say they are apostles are not and have found them liars. We know the word of God. We really do. We preach the gospel here. There is no diluting. We can tell because we have the Holy Spirit. 
and you have persevered and have patience through all the things. We went through COVID. We went through church closure. We went all those things and we have persevered for my name's sake and have not become weary because we are still here and standing. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. <coughs> Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works and I will come to you quickly. I will, or, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from this place unless you repent. That's what he's saying. That we are good doing those outside stuff. That we are strong and we look like mighty. But when it comes to having that fast love mentality, we have forgotten Christ. I know I fail in that part. Because it's so easy for me to check a box. I'm here on Mondays. I'm here on Sundays. I'm here on Wednesday. I'm here on Tuesdays. And I feel like I'm spending time with God. Yet I look at my life and when I look at the graph compared to how much time I'm spending time with my first love and God reminded me of when I first met Eve and he's like, really, do you still love me as much? We have forgotten our first love. Tonight I'm going to give you an opportunity to rekindle that love. In a little bit here, I'll let you guys know. We're going to play a song here. It's called Refiner by Maverick City Music. Purify me. I want to be tried like fire, purified. You take whatever you need, Lord. Lord, here is my life. It's an opportunity for us to come and tell God, purify me. Take whatever it takes, God, because I want to be refined. And honestly, when you think about it, and I'm going to be honest with you, that's a dangerous prayer. Because when you tell God to purify and to do whatever he takes, he can do a lot of stuff. But you know what? I would rather God purify me and search me right now. This might mean you being like my neighbor, Alec. We moved into this place about a year ago. And as we go to a place, there's a man, a a Ukraine man called Alec. And Alec, when he met him, we've been there for a year. But for 16 months, his wife, who was fully healthy and everything, had cancer. And every time we talk with Alec, he doesn't speak very good English, but he says, God, he, every word he speaks is like, ah, God got it. God is going to heal Miller. The, the wife is Miller. God is going to heal her. I trust God. I trust God. I know he got me. I know that everything is going to work out. The last couple of weeks it's been hard. Miller has been going down and down and down. And we talked to him yesterday, and as he shed in tears, like, Mila is not eating, and she, she can bear it. She's not there. He showed us a picture of Mila when she was just 16 months, full of life, and another picture of her just where she was bones and skins. And I looked at Alex, and I'm like, Alex, he says, Kevin, there's nothing we can do but only God. Amen. Only God. And as I spoke to him, I, 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 I wasn't sure whether... My emotions were coming from the fact that I'm seeing a man who's been tried and tested and still remain faithful, or I was breaking, or the heart was breaking for his family, which I think it's both. But that man kept on his faith. He's still, God is the one. And today, when Eva and I were coming from the store, and I saw him, he has some cows and a farm, and I waved at him and I said, Kevin, Mila is gone. She left at four, uh, four, four in the morning. And he's there. He's like, Alec, what can you do? He's like, the same story, nothing. Because it's God. 
God took her. And you know what? It's okay. It hurts right now. But I'm still going to praise God. That's somebody who's been purified and tested in this world. But he did not give up. Even later on as we, as we, cause he was, uh, he has a dog and so he was on the other side of the fence and we reach out and I reach out my hand to pray for him and Eva was praying and he's shedding his tear. He's just like, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, because you've given me Mila. Thank you because God, I don't know what tomorrow has, but you know what? You call me Lord. That's a man who's been refined. And it might not be today that we get through to go through what Alec did. It might not be. It might be something simple. But you know what? I want to prepare myself for those moments where I become Alec. Those moments where my faith is tested. And if my faith is tested and I continue to go, we will still say the same thing. It is God who has done that. My emotions have no bearing whatsoever. My emotions have no bearing whether I praise God in the midst of the troubles. My emotions have no bearing. Yes, Alex was shedding tears. His emotions are crushed. And he's been married for 29 years. They married when they were 19. She's a young lady, but she went with God. But guess what? He's still praising God. He's still praising God. And as we prayed for him and we are all crying, and I'm like, Lord, how can I be like this man? God, if you tested me tonight, if that happened to my wife or my kids or the people that I love, would I still have the same? God, refine me tonight. Refine me tonight. And, and as we play this song, I'm going to open the altar for you guys to come. Go back to your first love. Because it's only when you go to your first love that you can endure what Alex is enduring. When you go to your first love is when you know for sure that you're standing on a firm foundation. Go ahead and play. Have you guys all stand up? And the altar is open. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.